Kelly and Kelly. Previously on This Sounds Serious. 911, what's your emergency? Uh, it's my brother. I, uh, I think he's dead. I started investigating the mysterious death of Florida weatherman Chuck Bronstadt. Production. I wish I had warm weather to bring you, but unfortunately today is a different story. Okay, well... This led me to his strange twin brother, Daniel. I'm sorry, I hate to do this. I'm looking out my window at something that seems to be, it would have to, it couldn't be an ostrich, but it's big. I don't know what... One of the reasons I love Dance Dance Revolution is because you do not have to dance. Some nights I wake up and I think, it would be amazing to go on a flamingo hunt. And now I'm about to meet him for the first time. If you want to know more about the call and my brother, just come, come to the ranch. I think that would be best. Just come here. It's This Sounds Serious, the case of Daniel Bronstadt, a CastBox original. Join me for a journey inside the mind of the most fascinating 911 caller I've ever encountered. Yeah, I was actually talking to a former colleague, uh, telling him about how you uh, reached out to me. And he said uh, a lot of detectives are, from cold cases are showing up on these podcasts, so... I guess I'm part of an exclusive club. Thanks for asking. I was packing up to meet Daniel in Florida when I got a phone call from Leonard Anthony, the retired Orlando PD detective who investigated Chuck's death. The main reason I'm calling is because I, I heard that you're going down to meet with Daniel Bronstead. And, you know, Gwen, I just, I really would advise you to proceed with caution. In fact, I would ask you that you don't go at all because, in my opinion, you are going to meet face-to-face with a murderer. He says they never got a conviction. But the way he sees it, no other suspect made sense. There's no doubt in my mind, Gwen. He's our guy. And it's not that I don't believe him. A lot of signs point to Daniel killing his brother. We'll get to those later. People say he's weird and acts erratically, which is the same insight I drew from his 911 call. <laughs> okay, Daniel, I'm going to need you to call. Oh, my brother's so But outside of that one fact, nobody says he's ever done anything violent. All right, so um, I'll drive, yeah? Is that okay? You're on the insurance. Okay, yeah. So I went to meet Daniel. My producer Dave and I flew from Minnesota to Orlando, rented a car, and headed out of town to Daniel's place. Okay. It's about 90 minutes outside Orlando, but there is nothing around. Oh, my God, where are we? This is crazy. According to the GPS, we're right where we should be. Daniel called it a ranch. Others warned me that it was a dilapidated teardown. That's not it. That's it. No, it's not. That's got to be it. That's not it. And the truth is, it's kind of both. What have we done? (laughs) What did we decide to do? It looks like an old plantation in the middle of a swamp. Picture a cross between Gone with the Wind and Hillbilly Hand Fishing. There's a big white house covered in vines and a barn. The property is covered with trees and shrubs, sort of climbing all over each other. Wait a second, is he there? I think that's him. That's him. Jesus. Okay. All right. Here we go. I'm rolling. All right. Hi. Just, yep. Yeah, it's me. Just one sec. Don't park on the laneway, please. 
please. Oh. Or go for on the trash. I want to keep that open for emergency responders. Okay, one sec. Um. After hearing his 911 call and talking to him on the phone, it's a thrill to finally meet him in person. And he doesn't appear to be as threatening as Detective Anthony made him out to be. Yes! Hello, how are you? Just a little weird. Oh my goodness, what are you, 5'6"? Oh, your voice your voice sounds taller. Who's this? This is our producer, Dave. Oh, yes. And so he's, is this, that's his microphone Yeah, this is to record you. I hope that's okay. Are you okay with that? No, it's fine. I didn't imagine the microphone would be as long as it is. Yeah. And after seeing so much footage of his twin brother, who was the perfect smiling weatherman, Daniel decidedly is not as charming. Son of a bitch! Oh, no, do you, do you no, 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 no. This door is open and we've got to keep that closed. There's no need to come over here. That's just the barn door. He stammers. He's pale. He licks his lips too much. Uh, would you want to comb a mini horse? Uh, um, is that, is, you have, sorry, you have mini horses. Yes. But he I, definitely I has his brother's blue eyes. And I have to admit, they kind of draw let's, you in. You know what? You're not. You don't care about the horses. You're here to talk about Chuck's murder. So let's go. Let's go somewhere inside where we can just comfortably t- talk about how Chuck was killed. Come over here. Oh, mind the mess. Oh, God. oh my God. Sorry. Why are those paint cans? But what's he doing out here? It's certainly not glamorous. It's a bit of a mess, really. But it's not pathetic either. Yeah, this is where I work on my pinball machines. Wow. This is only a part of the collection, but sorry, I'm going to have to ask you. No, I'm going to have to get you out of here. I don't want you touching any of the machines. Those are collectible machines. Goodbye, girls. It's a good house in a strange spot, owned by an even stranger person. Originally, this was meant to be a bathroom, but I've converted it into my bedroom. I just feel more comfortable sleeping in small spaces, and so I actually sleep in this tub. Doesn't it ever... I couldn't be in Orlando anymore. You know, everywhere I turned, it would be Chuck, you know, memories of Chuck. I just had to get out, which, you know, was very difficult. I'm an enormous enthusiast of amusement parks, and to to know that I wasn't going to see my annual pass at Typhoon Lagoon, you know, come to fruition, it just, it was hard to leave, but I had to do it. To understand how Daniel got here, alone... Living in a dilapidated house 90 minutes from civilization, we have to go back. Back before the 911 call. Back before Chuck was a famous weatherman. Back to the very beginning. We were only children. And I mean that like as in an only child. Like how I mean that is Chuck and I were the only children. What I'm saying is that we didn't have siblings, so though we were two, we were the only child, which means we both felt like only children, even though we had each other. That should be clear. Chuck and Daniel Bronstad were born on April 22, 1967, in Indianapolis, Indiana. Their father, Charles Sr., was an electrician. Their mother, Toddy, was a receptionist at the head office of a transmission manufacturer. Your mother would always dress us alike, you know, little sailor's outfits. Or at Halloween, we'd wear the same costume. A junior prom, you'd wear the same suit. And I can tell you this much, we had our own language. 
like a, a twin's language, you know, like gloop, glarp, bloop, blop. <laughs> we just spoke to each other and made up our own words. They, they were kind of like the picture-perfect family. This is Tom Lehman. He grew up a few doors down from the brothers. My parents were divorced, so, you know, I, I spent a lot of time over at the Bronstads. Their mom was a, was a great cook. Oh, and their dad, what a cool guy, you know. I mean, my dad was had a horrible temper. You know, you'd accidentally, you know, say the Lord's name in vain, and he'd, he'd give you a taste of the back of the hand, but not Mr. Bronstad. He was, he'd forgive you for anything. He'd teach you even a couple more cuss words if you were alone with him in the backyard. And that's how I learned how to say sh mother dickhead, you know. This is a chest of drawers with which I keep all of the things that are, these are pictures of my childhood. Oh, wow. You can see Daniel here. showed me this some pictures. Here's Chuck and me. They're both really cute. They, both they look alike, obviously. Well, yeah, our parents always put us in tighter pants. I think it was Seeing these photos, there's one with them dressed as the white spy and the black spy from Mad Magazine. You really get the idea what kind of kids they were. They had fun being twins. They were maybe even a bit mischievous. Oh, we'd play pranks all the time. <laughs> That's what you do as twins. You know, the, the school would try to keep us in different classrooms, but Chuck and I were always swapping out with each other. You know, sometimes I'd be in his math class and he'd be in my geography class or, or vice versa. I mean, the truth is, we had a hard time keeping it straight. While most kids would leave these kind of pranks in their childhood, the Bronstads carried it into adolescence. In junior high school, I remember that we convinced everybody that we were triplets. We invented a third brother named Evan. And the interesting thing about it is we pulled this off for a couple of years, and, and Evan actually graduated with honors. Mischief and pranks were great and all, but what really brought the boys together was music. Music was always in our house. Oh yeah, growing up. I mean, mother would wake us with a tambourine. Uh, Dad played in a jazz band before he had the family. And of course, uh, Chuck and I, we were playing piano even starting at eight months. Uh, yeah, this is a box. Yeah, this is a box from back then. Here you can see. We're in a bedroom on the second floor. There are boxes piled in columns around the room. Daniel is buzzing from box to box, pulling out pictures and notebooks to show me. There's another one. We were a band called the Tag Team Champions that we had for a couple weeks. Daniel tells me they were always forming oh, new this. bands. Oh, this is the only picture of a band we had called the Doppelgangers. <laughs> it was a, we were trying a German thing there. What is this? Okay. <laughs> Here's something. This is something you're going to like. This is the original tape recorder that we used to record our songs on, and there's actually a cassette in here. Let's try this. Nightfalls, nightfalls in the city Holding hands with a pretty face And suddenly it stops Oh no, computer malfunction! Well, as you can tell, we were very influenced by new wave music. I mean, that was more Chuck than me, but... Uh, Man, still holds up. Very strong lyrics. Coming up after the break, we look at the moment that changed Chuck and Daniel's lives forever. 
The boys had a wonderful family in a loving community. They were happy. Everything changed for them in May of 1981 when they were 14. Their parents were driving home from a movie, and they skidded out on some ice. They died that day. Daniel wouldn't talk to me about that. You can imagine how hard that was on Chuck and him. Losing a parent at any age is horrible, but losing both at the same time is unimaginable. The boys were sent to live with their grandparents in Cincinnati. They had to leave all their friends behind and start fresh in a new school. Their idyllic childhood was over. Their perfect family was gone. They only had each other now. We lived with our grandparents, and they were old, and they didn't have the facility to raise twins. So few people do. So in a lot of ways, we kind of raised ourselves. Gosh, yeah, they came back to visit sometimes, but, you know, I, I really noticed a change in them after all of that. Now, this is uh, our high school yearbook. <laughs> <laughs> After my parents had passed, I kind of checked out for a while, but not Chuck. Club, swim team. This is all Chuck. Yeah, this is all Chuck here. He stayed the course. He actually did very well in school. And so, you know, so did I, (laughs) if you know what I'm saying. Let's just say this. Uh, Chuck took two driver's tests. I took none. We both had licenses. Oh, yes, of course. I, I remember those two boys, you know. They were somewhat notorious uh, at at the school, you know. In, in the teacher's lounge, we'd refer to those two as the dynamic dipshits. This is Doreen Woods, the brother's physics teacher. You know, because they were always getting into some mischief. And, and I, I thought it was kind of... Uh, a mean name, and it certainly applied more to Daniel than it did to Chuck, because Chuck was a a, a great student, you know, whereas Daniel was, oh, he was just a a bit of a jack-off, you know, a a real tool. But somehow they both managed to do very well in my class. As the boys got older, they kept themselves entertained with their own brand of twin pranks. But something had changed. Now that they were almost men... People could get hurt. Well, dating in high school was very complicated, you know. Sometimes a girl would think she had a crush on Chuck, but it was actually me. Or a girl would have a crush on me, but that was actually Chuck. Or someone would come up to me and say, oh my gosh, I can't believe we went to second base last night and I just have to go along with it even though I knew that was Chuck. That was just sort of some of the dating shenanigans we got in. Oh, and poor Evan got his girlfriend pregnant. The twins graduated high school at the top of their class. Oh, there you go. That's Chuck sitting on the principal's lap, just kind of making funny. <laughs> that know, was... You couldn't do that nowadays. No, I don't Absolutely think so. Absolutely not. I don't think so. It seemed like college was the obvious path for them, but the brothers were basically orphans now. They didn't have any money. Plus, Daniel wanted to do something else. Yo, Danny. What, Chuck? Show them what you got, bro. Oh, I know what you mean. Your eyes do not deceive you when you walk into the room. Your mind will not believe it, but your body knows the two. They formed a new band with a Cincinnati club kid named Rory Chambers. Think Millie Vanilli, but with real twins. They were called Two Plus One. When we kiss, there's always one you miss. It's lips to lips. 
Man, those brothers, I got to tell you, man, they had some sweet, sweet harmonies. I was mostly the keyboardist, you know, slash producer, but I also did the rap breaks. That's Rory Chambers. He still lives in Cincinnati, though he hasn't been in touch with Daniel in nearly 25 years. Well, that's enough. Rapping for me, time to get back to playing the keys, get up. I mean, we had a lot of great songs, to be honest with you. Uh, two Places at Once, everybody loves that. Brothers Divided, everybody loves it. Uh, double Team, you know, that, that lives on forever, forever and ever. But, you know, we did have some songs that weren't about being twins, too, like Angela. Mm, Angela's English for angels. <laughs> Angela, I believe in angels. Because I can see that halo It's wrapped around your heart But the devil inside me keeps on knocking We were way ahead of the boy band thing. I mean, we, we, we were definitely the first ones to kind of nail that perfect boy band sound. They toured around for two years and released one album, but it barely got any radio play. People would call us a no-hit wonder. And then New Kids on the Block came along, and they rode the wave that we started. Then, one night, Daniel pulled a stunt that landed the boys in hot water. Well, we had this tour bus. I mean, you know, technically speaking, it was more of a van. And the tour manager, he didn't want to drive, so I offered being a a nice person. I said, I'll drive. No big deal. No, no, that's not what happened. He stole the van while me and Chuck were sitting in the back. Then he drove it into a fountain while we were on tour down in Gainesville. Why did you take the van that night? Well, you know, it's... uh, Why does anyone do anything, you know? It it was a very crazy... First of all, and not as an excuse, but I was absolutely bombed on Zimas. Just beer coolers, you know, back then, that was my drink. And... It had my head in a funny space. I was very frustrated. You see your life going one direction. And for me, of course, it was being an incredibly successful band. So I took the van. Um, I don't know how many times it rolled before it ended up, you know, wheels down in that fountain. And when the paramedics got there, they didn't know which one of us was to blame. So they arrested both of us. They fingerprinted us. Off we went to the hospital to be treated for our injuries. And then... I'm going to stop the tape there because I want to tell you why this van story is important. It's because it was a turning point for the brothers. This is the moment when Chuck and Daniel stopped living their lives in tandem. All right. Here we go. Arrested both of us. They fingerprinted us. Off we went to the hospital to be treated for our injuries. And then that's when Chuck met Karen. Oh, shit. The Chuck and Daniel years of my life. (laughs) Can't forget those. That's Karen Gillespie. She met the Bronstad twins that night in the hospital when she was a nursing student. Yeah, they came into the hospital. Um... It's hard to ignore a pair of twins handcuffed to hospital beds. (laughs) I got talking to Chuck, and we hit it off. He was cute and smart, had a good set of teeth. I never thought I'd meet my future husband like this, but that's what happened. After that first meeting, Karen and Chuck dated for a few months. Chuck moved to Florida to move in with her, and eventually, they got married. 
It was around this time that 2 Plus 1 broke up. Chuck and I both agreed that 2 Plus 1 wasn't a good fit for our lives. He wasn't meant to be a musician. He needed a platform where he could shine by himself. I think he was just too shy to admit it. So he quit the band. And that's when Chuck enrolled in meteorology school at Florida State in Tallahassee. She took Chuck away from me. It's the first time anybody's ever come between us brothers. Yeah, you could say I was angry at one moment. We're poised to really break onto the scene with a hip band. Next thing I know, Chuck's going to be a weatherman? I mean, that had Karen's handiwork written all over it. Oh, yeah. Talk about a Yoko Ono. Let's just say I know exactly what Paul McCartney must have felt like. You know, minus the billion dollars. Okay. (laughs) That's so silly. Daniel was such a puss about the whole thing. He kept trying to get Chuck to start another band with him. That's why we were so relieved when Chuck got the job in Orlando. Bye-bye, Daniel. Get a life. Karen and Chuck moved from Tallahassee to Orlando in 1994 so Chuck could become the weatherman at WQOO-TV. But guess who followed them? Of course I moved to Orlando. It wasn't to be with Chuck. I mean, it's no, that was just coincidence that he happened to be there too. I was in Orlando because that's boy band central. I mean, that's where it was going down. In sync, Backstreet Boys, Old Town Baby. I was in the boy band hustle. It was just an exciting time, and I was right there producing, writing, managing, mixing. It was just me and and Chuck. Come on, Flesh Boys, let's do this. Friday night, gotta make a move. Gotta make a move. Need a freaky fine lady, get me in the groove. Well, we had sort of assembled this a group of ragtag impressionable teens and they were incredible because these these were boys that could sing our music gotta get down to the soda shop okay okay oh well 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 and we don't stop to we don't stop i remember us trying to come up with the name of the band you know we, we were throwing around all sorts of names like boy street or uh, street boys was one of them back boys we tried boys back uh, stuck for a little bit. Um, little leather boys, boysenberry pie. We did a lot of, a lot of different names, but we finally stuck on a name that I love: Flesh Boys. Flesh Boys understand that we're not your average band. Flesh Boys. You know, and this is a great group of kids. You know. All right, guys, come on, let's do this. Uh, AJ, you pop in front of JJ there. I'm going to count you in, okay? There was AJ, he was the bad boy, always had that collar popped. Uh, there was JJ, he was the mama's boy, real cool kid. And then there was KC, and very, very, uh, how would you describe him? <laughs> I guess, uh, wacky? <laughs> that was KC. They were a great group of kids. Okay, yeah. Where is that thing? Daniel showed me some of the band's stuff. There are band photos, flyers, t-shirts. This is the promotional kit for the Flesh Boys. You see this? This is them on a, well, they're all on rollerblades. It was a rollerblade-themed photo session we were at. Uh, It was around this time that a rift grew between the brothers. There was never really a a rift between Chuck and I. It was always between Karen and I. You know, she came into my world, turned it all upside down, and I guess I... I guess somehow I kind of wanted to mess with her. So I 
you know, pretended to be Chuck on a couple of occasions. Took her on a few dates, you know, kind of trying to be a bit of an asshole, you know, trying to see if maybe I could break her and Chuck up, you know. And and then, of course, I, I guess I did take her to Aspen for a weekend. And that was all innocent, though, you know. It was very, very, very innocent. Uh, yeah, it was pretty innocent. It was not innocent. That's sick. When I found out, I was pissed. But when Chuck found out what was going on, well, he went ballistic. Daniel told me that he and Chuck got in a big fight after he found out Daniel had been impersonating him around Karen. And it got physical. Chuck was very, very mad. And, you know, I, I don't know if you know this about twins, but of course, sympathetic pain is, is a very real thing. So as much as Chuck was pounding on me, I could see him also feeling that pain. So in, in some way, it was kind of like Chuck was punching himself in the face. He was beating himself up right. as well as me. What year was this? Well, Annie Lennox was on the radio with No More I Love Yous. I remember that. So, 95. Right, yeah. Um, and what happened after the fight? Oh, well, Chuck didn't talk to me for a very long time. No more flesh boys. No more twin stuff. And I want your mic to be ready for this. Okay. No more I love yous. So what did you do next? Well, I left. He really left. And I guarantee he's not going to tell you about where he went. Where'd you go? I, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. But I'll tell you where he went. He joined a fucking cult. That's right. Daniel was allegedly a member of a cult. Next time on This Sounds Serious, I investigate Daniel's lost years as a member of the cult known as the Mandala. Daniel was in it for sure. Of course, back then we called him Brother Kai. I was supposed to be a member of the team that was building the car that would take us underwater. The whole living underwater thing, I remember it vividly one night when I came up with it. Everything we owned was handed over to the Mandala. Where's your money? This isn't an investment fund. You gave your money, we spent it. When the Mandala ended, people were really upset. I mean, just losing it. And I think Daniel had to sort of deal with the brunt of it. This Sounds Serious is a CastBox original. CastBox is the fastest-growing, highest-rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, where you can find all your favorite podcasts. You can listen to This Sounds Serious wherever you get your podcasts, but we hope you'll give CastBox a shot. We think it's the best.